0: You're listening to Pod 4 Ham, a podcast that's all about the musical Hamilton, taking it one track at a time. Every episode features different groups of interesting people talking about a single track from the original Broadway cast recording of Hamilton. Visit us online at pod4ham, that's the numeral four, dot com. Follow us on Twitter at pod4ham, or you can visit The Incomparable at theincomparable.com.
1: Here he comes. Here comes the general.
2: Ladies and gentlemen. Here comes the general. The moment you've been waiting for. Here comes the general. The
3: pride of Mount Vernon. Here comes the general, General's Washington. We are outgunned, outmaned, outnumbered. Out- I'm gonna need a
0: man. Welcome everybody to the Pod for Ham podcast. We're talking about today Right Hand Man. I'm Chip Sutterth. I'm Monty Ashley. I'm Lex Friedman. I'm Andy Anotka. And I'm Deb Stanish. We're going to be introduced in this song to the real hero of the musical. Am I right? Am I right? Stubhub.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is that not where you're going?
0: <laughs> no, but God bless StubHub, man. <laughs> I wouldn't get Wouldn't have a chance of getting a ticket without. Uh, so this is the song that introduces one General George Washington.
4: Here
2: comes the general
4: in all his glory
2: for the dollar and the quarter.
0: Yeah. Uh, so so he's uh, he's already he's already two up on Hamilton when it comes to currency. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I wanted to uh, throw out here right at the beginning is. Um, This is a character who is arguably greater than the star of the musical. And I just love this about Christopher Jackson's portrayal and sort of the the reverence that is given to uh, this figure who is in in just about every respect more accomplished and stronger than the man who this musical is all about.
2: Well, of course, he has to be. He's got age. He's got experience uh, in the role of the musical, though. I mean, this is just such a brilliant song particularly where it comes, because it not only helps to punctuate uh, the, the rivalry that's going to happen between Burr and Hamilton, but it's also uh, it's it also sort of cautions the audience not to think, oh, isn't it great? He's he he, he came up from Hamilton, came up from nothing and he's just going to work, work, work. And he's just wants every he wants to achieve and do. And Washington's entire advice to Hamilton is, look, slow down. <laughs> I I know that you want me to send you into battle, and he's, even just that that wonderful, like just that one uh, one little couplet, uh, saying that uh, here uh, here it is: dying is easy, young man; living is harder. And this is a guy who this is coming from a guy who was Hamilton's age who had screwed up. As big as Hamilton had occasionally done at that age, and was trying to say, "Look, I have, I'm, I can look back on my life with a little bit more clarity than you can, than uh, you can at your age right now." And I'm telling you that you want to be my secretary right now. If you really want to help the revolution of the country, you're going to put aside what you want, and you're going to have to move towards what is uh, best for everybody. Uh, and he's basically saying, "I'm trying to give you a piece of information that if you take to your heart right now, it means you might not." Get shot in the middle of a field by a
3: historical footnote. Yeah, by the time we see Washington, he's already the venerated Virginian general. He's already the model of a major general. But in his youth, around when Hamilton was, he accidentally started the French and Indian War. (laughs) Oops.
4: Oops. And it also the song also really sets up the nice dynamic that Hamilton and Washington have that, you know, he's the de facto father figure throughout this, um, you know, throughout their interactions. And you, and you sort of get that little bit of tenderness when he says, you know, why are you upset? And he's like, well, I'm not. And just the way that that um, the way that that line is delivered, it's you know, sort of uncertain and very young. And it just is really portrayed beautifully and i think that sets up their relationship for the rest of the musical.
2: Yeah, uh, don't don't you love the way that <laughs> it's such a beautiful touch. So basically Aaron Burr is like you you, you sort of like in the in this in the soundtrack you feel him like sort of adjusting his tie and making sure his coat is all dressed and saying, "Excuse me, Mr. General Washington. Hi, uh, let me introduce myself. My name's Aaron Burr." And then that's when Hamilton comes in, "Hi, uh, you, General, you specifically asked for me." "Oh yes, Hamilton upper. Uh, that's enough. You can go now."
3: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think Burr, ta- this is when Burr has the, the, mo- the highest point of him waiting for it. Because in the course of two lines, he goes from, I have some suggestions on how to fight. And then his next line is, as I was saying, sir, I look forward to seeing your strategy play out. He could have been in the room when it happens. But because Hamilton walked in, Burr says, oh, I'll come back later. Your strategy is right. I don't have any suggestions.
4: Yeah, but, you know, it takes some pretty big brass balls to walk into General Washington's tent and throw him that, that kind of shade. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I like how you're firing at him from a distance. I mean, he is not endearing himself whatsoever uh, for a potential job interview. Let's yeah. face it.
3: Also, he's wrong. His plan is to fight instead of fleeing. No, you, have a, you are outgunned and outmanned. You shoot and flee, Aaron.
4: (laughs) It's guerrilla warfare time, man. Get on the the track.
0: Yeah. Um, Starting at the beginning of the song, uh, we've got Hamilton um, sort of, he's facing the reality of uh, what he wanted to get into the war. He wanted to get into the fight. And now he's just staring the fact that this is really kind of horrible and the odds are not good. He's perfectly willing to die for his uh, fledgling country. Uh, but it certainly appears that that's exactly what's going to happen. And that's not great. Um, but, uh, then, um, then we got, then as he's saying, you know, there's only one man who can give us command and we have the, here comes the general moment. And all of a sudden this feels more like, this feels more like a crusade than, um, just sort of inevitable, desperate battle for glory.
4: And you also have that sort of recurring motif of rise up, which is you know sort of plays throughout the, the the entire musical. You know, rising up from your beginnings, rising up out of respect for the general. You know, it's used you know in several different ways in this song alone, and it's it's an important thing to, to think about. So I, I love that. and, I, and I, In fact, I was telling my son, if every school in the United States that is, has Washington like in their name doesn't use this as a sports chant, I mean, they are missing out terribly because it is just this glorious thing of the respect that they're showing Washington, but also, you know, Alexander... Taking his taking his shot, you know, not going to miss his shot. And he's going to rise up to the occasion as well. So, you know, playing with that language a little bit is really nice here.
2: And that's it. that's what he does immediately. He's, he doesn't spend a lot of time arguing with Washington about no. I really want to. I really want to really command troops on the field. He starts immediately saying, okay, well, I have some friends. Yeah, I, I know this guy Lafayette. Uh, what else do you need? <laughs> well, okay, we can put some spies on in the inside. Them. We'll get some kings. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bribe some people. We'll write to Congress. And he immediately turns from the fighting marine into the. Desk guy, and yeah. Washington, of course, being Washington, he was completely right. Of as if in just three lines of of, of lyric, that's like, oh, it's it's you, he need he doesn't need one more somewhat unproven field officer. He needs someone who can put together infrastructure that we're going to need to win this war. And yeah. this sets things up for the rest of the story, where um,
0: you know Hamilton is more than a secretary here. He's a chief of staff. He is a um, he, he is an organizer. He is a fixer. He's not just writing the general's correspondence. And yet Hamilton can't see that. He is still so obsessed with his legacy and with his. It's almost a death wish, you know, wanting to be out there making things happen. He's as desperate as Burr to be in the room where it happens. But the room for Hamilton is, you know, the battlefield. Uh but he's more than that. He, he he is more than a stenographer. And this 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 song this song demonstrates it, and it's sort of a tragedy for Hamilton, that he doesn't recognize his worth in that moment, or that he just or that he does he does recognize it, but he doesn't care. Absolutely.
3: Coming in, his plan is either die on the battlefield in glory, or survive so many battles where he should have died in glory that people will have to let him rise above his station because that's the only thing he can imagine because he doesn't understand how unusual being super organized is yeah and but
2: we the things we don't like about hamilton or at least we recognize as his downsides is that at some point during the song you know he's thinking well look i mean a chief of staff might be more important than uh, than a field officer but you know a chief of staff doesn't get on a postage stamp that's Mm. true yeah
4: (laughs) And it's funny when he when he does when he decides, okay, I'm taking this position, I'm going to do this. it's like somebody flips on an on switch. I mean, you see this is the Alexander Hamilton that is going to push the debt plan. This is Alexander Alexander Hamilton that is going to form the department, the Treasury Department. I mean, he is when he decides he's going to do something, he does it with gusto and pulling everybody in and bringing everybody in. Um, and it's just it's great foreshadowing for for what he does in life, his legacy
1: this is one of several songs on the soundtrack that seems like it it does a little bit of (laughs) Bohemian Rhapsody style mixing and matching of styles at different points. Um, and with lots of references to other lyric and melody lines from throughout the show, in a way that I think, I mean, it's it's very common in um, more melodic musical songs to to do that kind of referencing. But there's, you know, even um, Aaron Burr and talking to Washington goes back to that Burr Sir style rhyme, uh, and you know that we've got. Uh, the the mantra that we'll hear a couple times throughout the show of Here Comes the General and you've got the Rise Up line and then you've got, uh, there's the the company kind of, I guess, sharing Hamilton's uh, uh, thought process when he's not going to throw away his shot. And I find, you know, when my kids were first listening to the soundtrack, and they're nine, seven, and almost five, they were like, why do they keep saying the same things? Why does this keep happening? So then we started listening to some other musical soundtracks to see, like, this is kind of what's happening. And, you know, it's we talked a little bit about motifs and all that, but I think it's it's really cleverly done or executed in this song in a way that it hurts the same way that i look at you know when aaron sorkin has a really intricate plot whether in a movie or a television series it's just this kind of intricate thinking where it's like uh how does one assemble this song and i can't wrap my head around how anybody can create this song and uh, i find it so impressive
0: now check it can i be real a second for just a millisecond (laughs) all right for a millisecond yes can we talk about christopher jackson
4: Mm. anytime you want to gravitas (laughs)
0: The baton is handed to you, Deb.
4: Oh, he is such a compelling character as Washington. I mean, he is literally larger than life. He is an imposing actor physically. But, you know, he just embraces and embodies this role. Like you said, Gravitas, um, you know, just owns it, completely owns it. But there's this sense of weariness about him at times as in, in some of these lyrics that you know he's he's beyond that stage of wanting to die for glory as you know he has been there and he's done that accidentally started a war um you know it's just he sees the futility and the pointlessness of sacrifice of selfless sacrifice but yet you know he's so committed to, to getting this done and doing the right thing and he and the delivery that he brings to this is is spot on. It's perfect. And Washington is such a mythological figure in American history, that to be able to make it that nuanced and not make that role sort of a parody of itself is brilliant. And I, you know, any touring company, you have got a lot to live up to, to to sort of match this performance, because he does it so effortlessly.
2: I don't know what he looks like Does he? Did they cast someone who was had greater physical stature or maybe obviously had like about
3: 10 years on other people in the cast? He's certainly taller than Lin Manuel Miranda, so that helps.
4: Yeah, I don't know his age. I just know like from pictures and seeing you know st- um, cast photos that he is, you know, he is large, tall. Tall person.
2: It just makes me think about the difficulty of uh, casting roles like this. If you're gonna, uh, if you're gonna make sure that, are, are you gonna trust the material and trust the performance, uh, or are you gonna give the audience a little bit of help by? Uh, Creating a user interface, so to speak, in the cast that says, "Okay, this—I well, don't know who this person is, but he is clearly of a station of uh, of dignity and respect. Uh, that he's he's already on his way to legend, whereas some of these other characters are on their way to an early grave or uh, or ignominy." Uh, and uh, it's the, the fact that that comes through just in the vocal performances that are all we've <laughs> everyone on this panel has heard so far. Really, is a testament
3: to his skill. Well, the original casting call for him says he is to be. Authoritative, regal, aloof, and aware of his place in history at all times. Mm, Interesting.
4: Well, you know, and there's that moment in Yorktown, too, where Hamilton says, you know, I see Washington's smile. You know, it's not he's not pumping his fist. He's not shaking. You know, you know, it's just this it's over. It's done. We did good. You know what I mean? And that to me is this Washington. That that line I just I love. It's sort of I can just picture this sort of, you know, sad little smile that, you know, finally it's done. We did it. Um, I don't see him being a fist pumpy sort of guy. You know what I mean? I just see him being a little. This is what I have to do, and let's get it done the best way that we can do it without, as without tr- as much tragedy as necessary. Yeah.
0: Although in this track, you know, when I think about the entirety of the musical, when I think about Washington, I think about that 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 aloofness, that realness, that gravity. Uh, but when he comes in, you know, it's pretty much on the battlefield, and you know, can I be real a second for just a millisecond? You know, that stuff. That's that's almost Hamilton level. Um, Lawrence and Lafayette level rap there where, you know, he he's he's not on ceremony. He's not being super dignified here. He's being real and aggressive and frank. This is a bad situation. We got – we. How, how can I keep leading when the people I'm leading keep retreating? We put a stop to the bleeding, not, you know, all that stuff. And then when we get to Burr's entrance and uh, Washington's office or tent or whatever – that's when he when washington changes his tone and he's become and he's more calm and there's more gravitas and uh he's more un, more in control i love the contrast the washington we see later in this song is the washington that we see for the most part throughout but i also like the washington that we see at the beginning of this song who is also the one who j- who can't believe that Charles Lee is screwing up so badly <laughs>
4: <laughs> Wee. but don't you think he does he does that with other characters as well because you have this idea of not only of the Washington that we the Washington that is but the Washington that we have myth mythologized him into, however you want to say that we the mythology we've created about Washington um, and he gives us sort of a, a peek behind that curtain of of The Wizard. And I think he does that with Jefferson as well later on, because we've all built Jefferson into be this sort of, you know, very regal patrician um, character, quiet and educated. And that's not the character that is portrayed in this musical. So there's a lot of playing with, I, I think, the perceptions that we have of these historical characters. And Maybe another aspect of their personality or a way that that plays with that reputation.
2: Yeah. And and that's and that's been a perennial. Even in uh, John Adams own letters, uh, he referred to how uh, the story will be told of this revolution that uh, Ben Franklin's uh, Ben Franklin smote the ground and uprose uh, George Washington. And the two of them won the revolution handily by themselves.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Who tells your story, right?
3: I do have one slight complaint about this song. Which is... We do, I, we, do not, we do not allow
0: complaints here. This is squee, right? <laughs> well, h- See, here's Even the, thing. the
4: complaints are not bad on this, on this podcast. So go ahead.
3: I really like the rise up parts. And I wish that were more of the song. The first time I listened to it, you get to the point where there's only one man who can give us a command so we can rise up. Understand it's the only way to rise up, rise up. And right there, I thought we were going to go into a big... I thought the rest of the song was going to be about rising up. And then it suddenly takes a left turn, and here comes the general. Well, there's there's a double meaning there, of course. I realize of, that. I just... Of course, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't
2: mean, I didn't mean it that way. You know, you know that that's an actor who's playing the part, and the reason why they've got it. What? Uh, but it's but it's it's uh, maybe it's a part of again. Since we're in full squee mode, we really want to see. Uh, we really want to read. I want to read something into every single thing. And this is like the uh, later on as I'm listening to the soundtrack for the third and fourth and fifth time. I'm that that irritating freshman in college is taking his first like lit course and saying, oh my God, it's like, because Ham- it's not just the story of Hamilton, it's the story of this country that's sort of this bastard son that's trying to rise up.
4: You want to stop people on the street corner, right? And say, Have you heard about <laughs> Hamilton? Really?
3: The way the phrase rise up is deployed in the musicals, it's kind of a motif that shows up in several yeah. songs throughout the whole run. And I just wish there were a single song with a whole lot of rise up in it. And this is the closest I get. (laughs) So I'm always a little resentful when the general shows up. I'm like, oh, they're not shouting rise up anymore.
4: <laughs> see, I would love to see this on stage because, you know, how does he enter? Does he, you know, is he strutting in sort of like, you know, the, the genius annotation has him being noting that he's introduced in the fashion of a prize fighter or a pro wrestler. I just want to see the staging of this. Like, how is he coming in? How is he entering the stage? Because it is sort of a majestic moment.
0: I'm surprised that they just didn't... Uh, Cart him in on wires, hanging like uh, the tenth Doctor in that episode of Doctor Who. There, uh, like Ange- angelic and stuff. He
2: should he should make his entrance the way that Apollo Creed entered the ring in the first Rocky movie, and <laughs> in not in in not even in his normal clothes, in a wash in a Washington costume, and throwing dollar bills to people in the crowd.
4: <laughs> make it rain.
0: Well, we've we've actually heard the airing of Monty's grievance. Does anybody else have any grievances with this song?
4: It's perfection. Yeah. Monty's wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm just, I don't see uh, all great entertainment or uh, is, is kind of like that where I'm not at the point yet where I have even heard this album enough to get beyond my initial delight. Uh, Just just like I had to see uh, The Force Awakens once or twice just to get over the delight of a great Star Wars movie uh, before I could start to not even nitpick, but just notice things that maybe if I were less emotionally attached to it, I would have noticed immediately. And I'm just not there yet. I'm not even talking about all the times where this track and other individual tracks have shown up in the the playlist that I have in my favorite music. (laughs) I'm talking about times where I have just started the first track because it's such a strong track and done some housework or something. And then I can't move on to the next thing until I've gotten to through all 40 tracks of it. So I, I must have listened to it straight through for like 10 times and I'm just not ready to, I, it's not that I haven't noticed anything critical about it. It's just that I'm not even listening for anything critical about it. So I'm sorry if I can't help today.
4: <laughs> I, I'm just starting to get there myself. Um, and I haven't loaded onto the hard drive in my car because I have my van has, you know, you can put limited music in there. And so that's like the only thing that I've ever that's holding the spot on the hard drive right now. And I've like literally sat <laughs> in parking lots and like I just can't leave until I get, you know, out until the song is finished. But it's starting to creep in. And I'm probably I, I'm embarrassed to admit how many times I've listened to the soundtrack. So I won't do that. But. Um, But it's little bits are starting. It'll come. It just takes a really long time.
0: Yeah. Um, Any other any other thoughts about uh, Hamilton's arc in this song? Uh, You know, he's he's talking about he 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 begins the song uh, talking about a little bit of desperation, perhaps, and then uh, we have the battle scene and yo, let's steal their cannons, which is loads of fun. Loads of fun. And then at the end, he's sort of rewarded for that uh, bravery by getting a desk job.
4: (laughs) (laughs) You know, again, I just it to me when he gets it, when he starts spitting fire as to, okay, I'm going to take this position and here's what I'm going to do and just starts riffing all of his plans. I mean, that's such an electric moment that. It's sort of the definition of his personality to me. We've, we've got past the tragedy. We've got past the, um, we've got past the ambition. This is Alexander in motion. And it's sort of glorious. You know, in a way, this song
3: encapsulates Hamilton's tragic flaw. Because at the beginning, his ambition is pointing him directly to death. He's saying, I want to go out in the battlefield. Come on, let me, give me a command. I want to just get myself killed right away. And right now, there's Washington to pull him back and say, no, you're more valuable and safer with this job. Mm -hmm. And later in the play, there is no Washington to say, maybe you shouldn't do that. And he proceeds to get himself in trouble.
4: And we also get the first dropping of Washington's, you know, blank is easy, young man. Something else is harder, which is, you know, words of advice from the dad.
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, the the dad theme in this song is, pretty darn strong starting with his entrance in which you know your your parents if you have that relationship with your parents is a godlike not even a human figure and that's certainly how washington makes his entrance and you have the small child who's just all hyperactive and wants to wants to wants to build the Biggest snowman that's ever been built. And I, then I want to have like a, all the ice cream in the world and a car made out of chocolate. And then the parent says, Okay, son, that's the, settle down. I'm going to give you a more tangible and workable plan that is going to work out for your best interest. I'm also going to protect you because I see value in you. And then, if then as soon as you get that sort of uh, uh, acknowledgement, it's like, he, how quickly does Hamilton switch from Yeah, yeah, give me a gun, give me troops, woo, to Okay, I, Dad, I'm going to show you what a great desk jockey I can possibly be. I'm going to be the best desk jockey there ever was, and you're going to be so proud of me. But he's
0: already he's already debating it, and he's you, you, there's a little bit of conflict about whether he's going to take this job or not. Yeah, of course. And and of course, and it, and it'll it'll boil over in a few songs when he says, "Call me son one more time," you know. <laughs> daddy issues all over the place.
1: Yeah. I do like at the very end of the song... Uh, You know, they once again are going back to here comes the general and it's Washington himself who says, and his right hand man, like he's, he's got pride and he wants, I feel like it's, it's very complimentary in that moment to, uh, to Hamilton to be telling him like I, George Washington and introducing you to these, to these fans of ours, our new mutual fans as, as my right hand man. I just feel like that moment where it's Washington himself saying it and acknowledging Hamilton is, is especially, I think, gracious of Washington at the, at the song's conclusion.
2: Do you think that that might have uh, for the for, the, for I'm not, not not talking about Hamilton the man I'm talking about the Hamilton the character here? Do you think that maybe that was put in there as a way of Hamilton feeling like this is the first like little little uh, little needle of okay well who who's that guy next to Washington? Well that's George Washington's right hand man. His name is not important. Look, he's Washington's right hand man. That if he's going to get the acknowledgement that he's going to want, uh, if he's going to create the reputation that he wants to build for himself, he's going to have to get out of Washington's shadow. And then once he's built his reputation, it's the one thing that he has in life that he truly values. And therefore, the one thing that he'll spend will pay way, way too high high a price to protect. And, of course, that's what kills him. That's a really good point. And, uh, you know, he's he he's. Tied, he's tied at the hip to to
0: Washington. So as the right hand man, and then he finally gets command, and the world turned upside down. Um, and that 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 is probably the apex of Hamilton, the hero, um, accomplishing things on his own, in his own name, on his own terms, as opposed to being uh, supported by Washington but then you know treasury or state treasury let's go and then daddy's calling and then it all just sort of falls downhill so this is this this song is sort of the introduction to the story about you know the, the perils of attaching yourself to a great person if you're not secure enough in
2: yourself to be able to handle yourself once that great person is gone. Yeah, the the people that they make monuments to in public parks in bronze are on top of a horse, not behind a desk, and not in the shadow of of George Washington. I think it's bad planning on the sculptor's
3: part because horses are harder than desks. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's,
2: it's it's hard it's hard enough to keep the pigeons off the top of the horses. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. give them big flat surfaces where things can you know pool and harden, that's my maintenance nightmare. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get a second commission from the same city. Well, what you do
3: is you make sure the desk is covered in papers so that the uh, white pigeon poop vanishes.
2: I got plans. Actually, no, that's 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 great because Hamilton he's he's got all this paperwork in front of him, all this correspondence, and you just keep changing him. Every that's that's actually a really good idea. Mm. Thomas Thomas Ball mm. should have should have definitely used that uh, in his pitch to the Boston <laughs> Public Garden. <laughs> Any final thoughts about right hand man? You
4: know, I'm going to go because this is the um, this is the song that. Made me love this musical. And I'm not a theater person. I think I have to preface that. Like, I don't listen to soundtracks usually. You know, I've been to a few shows. um, So it's not in my DNA per se. But when we got to the line, you know, now I'm the model of a modern major general. Like, even not being a theater person, I knew that was Gilbert and Sullivan. And I'm like, oh, well, isn't that kind of clever? And all of a sudden, I started listening with a different ear. And it's the, the, the brilliance of the lyrics started seeping through. So it went from being this sort of catchy, poppy music that was kind of fun to listen to, and it made me really look at this on a more meta level, and which just, of course, increases the appreciation, and there's so much depth to it that every time I listen, I found something else. I mean, there's, there's so many really cool little moments that not only... Talk about the character, but you know, layer in different musical styles and and pull in modern references, and that would. This was the song that really tipped me over from, oh, this is kind of a cool soundtrack to like hardcore Hamilton trash.
2: Yeah, that's something that's always on my mind. I I wonder if did uh, I want to read more interviews with uh, Lin Manuel Miranda because I'm I'm wondering, knowing that a Broadway audience is not necessarily a rap or hip hop audience, and the ear kind of needs to be trained on how to uh, how to listen to a style of music you haven't heard before, particularly if you have an association with it that's based on uh, inaccurate prejudices. So when I see lines like that, I wonder if part of it was to give people a hook that they might be able to recognize even though they're a white guy who grew up in suburban Boston uh, and maybe parts of the melodies and the way they're changing it around is to make sure that they're not just... Basically make it easier for an untrained ear to listen to. I have no idea what the problems would be, but I can't imagine that that was far away from Miranda's mind.
0: Well, we've been podcasting like we're running out of time, but I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap up any uh, summary judgments. uh, uh, I think Monty and Lex, you two get the last words. I defer to Monty. (laughs) I like this song. (laughs) <laughs> I ran
3: out of words, sorry.
0: <laughs> All right. And I think that is a great place to end this on. So this was track number eight. This was Right Hand Man. Next time, another panel of incomparable panelists will be taking on a winter's ball. You have been listening to Pod for Ham on the Incomparable Network. Thanks a lot for listening, and we will see you next time. Here comes the general...
1: The general, rise
2: up, work here. The general and his right hand man.